0: Last Sunday, we jumped back into the book of Colossians at our gathering, and our, uh, we weren't able to pick up the teaching on our recording, so I wanted to give a snapshot of what we, what we talked about on Sunday. Um, we spent a couple of months back in fall on the book of Colossians, and now we have four more weeks uh, where we're looking at this letter that Paul wrote uh, through the lenses of gravity and grace. Paul is inviting the Colossians to center their lives in the fullness of Christ, this deep well of grace, the source of life, the gravity that makes sense of all stories and holds all things together. And with this really full picture of Jesus, Paul is saying that as we center in the gravity of Jesus, everything around us will change. Injustice in the world is going to be confronted and unjust structures of power will be made a mockery of, Paul says. Um, The strongholds which have throughout history crushed people and fractured creation are going to be upended and are being upended by the work of Christ on the cross. So when we talk about Jesus as gravity, Jesus is not a gravity that keeps things in place the way things are, but Jesus is a spiraling and moving and expanding gravity. moving outward toward reconciliation. So throughout Colossians, Paul uses this language and imagery of movement and change and shift. He says the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the world. Uh, Paul says that we've been rescued from the dominion of shadows and brought into the freedom of Christ. Once you were alienated, but now you have been reconciled by Christ. So there's this language of movement, and this movement is not just about what Christ accomplished, but what Christ is accomplishing through a collective of humans following Jesus. So Paul writes about how the Spirit gives wisdom and understanding for a purpose, so that you might live a life worthy, bearing fruit and strengthened with power. Paul says that even in the midst of suffering, Christ in you, the hope of glory, will be put on display for all the world to see. And in Colossians, Paul speaks of faith as not just something that's received a single time, but something that we continue and further in through our growing and deepening reliance on God's Spirit. So he writes to, to the Colossians, continue to live your lives in Christ, rooted and built up, overflowing with gratitude and joy. So there's um, active language about, about movement and, and growth and overflowing um, with gratitude and joy. It's the invitation that Paul extends to the Colossians. So he's, he's inviting this group of Jesus followers in the city of Colossae to expand their imagination about what it means to follow Jesus And to see how God's work through them is confronting the world as it is. The way things are, are being confronted. And through this growing, moving, strengthening work of God in the church, all things are being put back together and reconciled. So Paul is talking about how truth is rising up in the midst of deceit and justice is overtaking and supplanting broken systems and harmful patterns, all because of the gravity and grace of Jesus. So on Sunday, we looked at uh, this section in Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 through 23, and I'll read it here. Um, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They're puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They've lost connection with the head, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. So it's kind of a strange passage in the middle of uh, chapter two of Colossians. Um, the, the, The heading on my translation says, freedom from human rules um and that's what paul is talking about um, there's something else going on here that's not just about freedom from human rules but but something that paul is saying about um not getting lost in complexity or or the flip side of that would be to this invitation to rest in the simplicity of christ in this passage there is like we have a list of of, of don'ts and and there's a risk of any time we see a list of don't do this don't do this when we 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 have a risk of missing what, what's being said because we have some kind of resistance towards lists of do's and don'ts, especially in religious or spiritual contexts. It just sounds like it sounds like a bunch of rules being thrown at you, and that's actually the opposite of what Paul is saying. So in verse 16 he says, "Don't let anyone judge you," and in verse 18 he says, "Don't let anyone disqualify you," and in verse 20 he says, "Don't submit to what he calls these rules." So the natural question that we would ask is, who are these people who are judging and disqualifying you? Um, What are the rules that Paul is talking about? Um, And the honest answer is that we don't exactly know what Paul is talking about. He doesn't make it super clear who or what he's addressing. Um, And that's okay because this is not a letter that was written to us. It's a 2,000-year-old piece of mail written to a group of Jesus followers in the city of Colossae in a different part of the world. Um, And they probably knew exactly what or who Paul was talking about. And what seems to be happening is that in Colossae, and this happens everywhere, um, in Colossae, there's a number of different stories that are circulating around the neighborhood about what it means to live well, or about what is necessary to really follow God, or how you really, truly find what is true in the world. And some of these stories that are circulating around the Colossian community um, are dipping into Jewish tradition, Um, and some of the regulations that uh, rise up from the Jewish faith. So Paul is talking about um, Sabbath and dietary codes. So some of these stories are are kind of like drawing back into the Jewish uh, roots of Christian faith. And some of these stories are dipping into the Roman mix of faith and empire and duty and patriotism. So there's different stories that are spreading throughout this Colossian community, but the common thing that they seem to be saying is that there's all sorts of hoops and puzzles and tests that you have to solve before the work of Christ is really accomplished on your behalf. Or that the work of Christ is just one religious prize that must be combined with any number of other religious prizes or badges or, or whatever. So these circulating stories are, are adding layers and layers and layers of obligation and complexity over what Paul has already spent a lot of time in this letter saying should be the singular and central and integral source and focus of our faith, Jesus. So throughout this letter, Paul is saying, like in, in essence, if you boil it down, it's that Jesus equals good news. And in this passage, he's reminding the Colossians that Jesus plus stuff equals not good news. Jesus plus anything equals not good news. Any layers added on top of the centrality of Jesus, diminishes and distracts from the good news of God. And this isn't just an isolated problem for the Colossians, or this just isn't an ancient problem that we don't deal with anymore. Um, We live in a world of complexity. We live in a time and place where we're surrounded by intriguing opportunities and curious new ideas. We live in a world where everybody seems to have their own systems or formulas or equations for how to get the best for you or for your family or for your job or your career or your life in six or seven or three easy steps. Um, We see this with food. We see this with physicality and fitness. um, We see this in all kinds of faith systems. Here are the tricks. Here are the hoops. Jump through them and you'll be set. Um, A while back a friend of mine who's part of Open Door told me about a conversation that they had had with someone who, who found out that this friend was a, a follower of Jesus. Um, and this person um, had just started a journey of faith of their own and and found out that my friend was following Jesus and, and wanted to talk about following Jesus with, with this friend of mine. So this person found my friend at a party that they were at together and kind of in secret <clears throat> disclosed to my friend um, that she had just recently started following Jesus, that she didn't have anyone else in her life or her family or her network who was following Jesus, and she didn't really know what to what to do with it all, and she was wondering what next steps were. So this person found my friend um, and and said this to my friend. This person said, I am in love with Jesus, but I don't know what the hell to do with the rest of it. And when my friend told me that line, I just said, like, that is that is." That is brilliant. That is that is capturing um, kind of the complexity that I think Paul is talking about here. I'm in love with Jesus, but I don't know what the hell to do with the rest of it. And there's all this stuff that we have packaged and wrapped up in our modern 21st century Bay Area understanding of what it means to follow Jesus that's not actually central, focusing, singularly looking at Christ as the thing that holds all things together we wrap up all these other things we package all these things together so so this person was talking to my friend and 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 when she was talking about the rest of it she was saying you know there's all these political things there's all these things about um gender there's all these things about Um, different kinds of behavior that seem peripheral to what it actually means to follow Jesus. I'm in love with Jesus, but I don't know what the hell to do with all the rest of it, the stuff that's been packaged and wrapped up together with Jesus. And as Jesus people who gather together as a church, uh, we need to be having conversations about where and how and why uh, the rest of it has filtered into our faith, all this stuff that's packaged up together. How did that get get wrapped up and packaged in with our faith. We need to realize how often we ourselves add obligations and hoops and puzzles to what's supposed to be a life centered in the good news of Jesus. And instead, we've created complexities that keep people, including ourselves often, from resting in the goodness and grace of Jesus. The one who said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Instead of an easy yoke and a light burden, we have complicated things tied up and wrapped in together, like a package deal that's that's more complicated than it needs to be. So instead of focus, we have complexity. Instead of easy and light, we have hoops and puzzles. Instead of trust, we have fear. And instead of grace, we have judgment. And what Paul seems to be saying in this passage in Colossians 2 is that it doesn't have to be this way. Paul is saying, don't let anyone judge you. Don't let anyone disqualify you. Don't submit to these rules. Don't get lost in the complexity. Don't be distracted by the shiniest and the sexiest new idea. Don't be uh, lost in the rest of it. Those things that aren't helpful, those things that aren't healthy, those things that aren't aligning you deeper into the image of Jesus, those things no longer hold power. You don't belong to those things anymore. You don't have to be swayed by all those stories because Paul says you're centered in the good gravity of Jesus. You're connected to the source from whom the whole body, he writes, is supported and held together, growing as God causes it to grow. So, what if we as a community were committed to centering our life on Jesus, the one who is faithful in life and in death? What if as a community we, we were committed to putting our hope in Jesus? the one who lives and rules even now. And what if as a community, we are just, we are just focused and centered on, on the invitation to follow Jesus, knowing and trusting that Jesus is a trustworthy guide through, through all of the complexities and hoops and puzzles of life, but kind of moves those things to the side so we can focus our attention and center our life and put our hope in Jesus. I think that's, that's the invitation for us from this passage, to to center our life on Jesus, to put our hope in Jesus, to follow Jesus. And let all the other things kind of fall to the wayside.